Morning, church. Good to see all of you this morning. So glad uh, that you guys are with us. If you don't know who I am, my name is Greg. My wife, Amber, and I are the lead pastors here. And uh, just so grateful we get to be here, a part of things with you guys. I uh, want to welcome those that are with us online again. We're so glad that you are a part of things and get to worship with us this week. Every week, uh, I get to meet people who say, hey, I've been watching you for a few weeks. I've been watching for a few months. And so we just want to invite you. If you ever want to walk in our doors, we'd love to have you join us sometime, all right? Well, hey, before I jump into our message, I want to mention one uh, quick thing, a really exciting opportunity for for you guys. Uh, many of you know our worship leader, Steph McDonald, was over here on the keys today. Uh, she's married to Micah McDonald, who is also our staff evangelist here at Zoe Church. Amazing couple. We're so blessed that they are part of things. But you may not also know that they have another ministry, uh, Mac Ministries. Uh, Micah very often is on the road. Most of the time, he's on the road traveling and speaking and sharing. And he brings the, the gospel and the word of God uh, to young people and churches all over the country and all over the world. And sometimes Steph is able to be there with him. And uh, Every year they have a banquet, an opportunity to be able to learn and hear the stories of what God's been doing throughout the year, as well as learn how you can engage and potentially support their ministry. And that's happening this Thursday night. It's a dessert reception this Thursday night at 7 p.m. It's about an hour and a half long. And so they wanted to just extend an invitation to anybody who's a part of Zoe Church to come and be a part of that. If you'd like to join, hear the stories of what God's been doing, as well as learn how you might be able to partner with their ministry, I invite you to come be a part of this. They need to know because they're feeding you some dessert, okay? So if you would like to come and be a part of that, simply email office at zchurch.org, office at zchurch.org, and uh, let them know if you're coming, how many's coming, and uh, we'll get that taken care of so you can be a part of things this Thursday, all right? Cool. Well, this morning I am continuing. We are in week two of the series we kicked off last week, I Am, as we are dealing with this whole concept of identity. And last week, if you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. But last week, we talked about the biggest issue that we find in our world, and it's this. It's an identity crisis, right? It's an identity crisis that we're experiencing in our world. And all of us are asking the question, who am I? Who am I? Many of us spend our lives trying to answer this question to no avail. And we're constantly trying to find our identity, right? And if you were with me last week, you remember, I gave you a whole long list. I gave you this whole long list of things. Sometimes we try to find our identity in our stuff, the things that we've got. We find it in our image and our appearance, how people view me, how people see me. We'll try and find it in our assignments, what we do. I'm a mom. I'm a dad. Like, I have this job. We try and find it in that. We find it in others, in the relationships we have. We find it in the feelings. I feel this way about myself, so that's who I am. Or in our pain, our suffering, right? Those bad things that happen in our lives, sometimes we allow those to become our identity. And then for some of us, we take on a, a label. Somebody said something about us a long time ago, and we believed them. We've never let that label go. That is who we are. And I said this to you last week, that the problem is if we can find our identity, we can also lose our identity, right? If we're out there just trying to grasp at things that don't last, it's not going to last. God's desire for us is that we would look to him to receive our identity. And rather than living for an identity, we can live from an identity. But I share this. I think the sad truth is that very few Christians understand this. We don't. We live like everybody else does, right? We fall into the same trap that everybody else falls into. We think what we do determines who we are, right? 
We think that, oh, well, if I do something, well, that's who I am. And I want to take you to another quote from the book, Victory Over Darkness. I shared another, a different quote last week. But I want to read this little passage to you, if you can bring that quote up for me. We got it. There it is. He says this, a great number of Christians are trapped in the same downward spiral. We fail, so we see ourselves as failures, which only leads to more failure. We sin, so we see ourselves as sinners, which only leads to more sin. We have been deceived into believing that what we do determines who we are. That false belief sends us into a tailspin of hopelessness and more defeat. And what I want to say to you, this isn't positive self-talk. Here's the reality. This is what God wants for us. The next quote, if you pull it up. God wants us to know who we are so we can start living accordingly. That's what God wants for us. Who we are. Would we know who we are and could we live from that? This is what the Apostle Paul speaks of in Philippians chapter 2. He says that we should continue to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Not that we should work for our salvation. We should work out. We receive the reality of what comes through salvation. And then we work this thing. We step into all that God has already provided for us in Christ. Okay? This morning, I would say that this message is the foundation for the next six weeks. This one is going to kind of help set the the stage for where we're going. And we're going to look this morning at what I would say are the two most important words in all of the New Testament. And I think they're the two words that if we grab it, could change us. Okay? If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 3. All right? Would you stand with me across the room? This is your first time. We stand when we read our primary text. Why? Because we say, God, we value your words more than my words. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Just reading you one verse here. It says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Let's pray. God, I pray this morning that you would speak to us, Lord. God, that you would take the scales off our eyes this morning. There are some of us that have walked in the room this morning, and we have been in bondage for years, if not decades. And this morning, I believe you want to set some people free. I believe you want to set some chains loose this morning. And so, God, I pray, and I give you freedom to move, to speak. God, would you break those chains today, and may we walk out of this place differently. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated. How many know we've, we've all got our phrases or our little ticks, like the little things we do, the little things we say, you know, all of us have those things, right? Your spouses have those, your kids have those things. I remember when I was a kid, uh, the church that I attended, the pastor had his little ticks, right? I, he was, he was love the man, love the man. He was an old school Pentecostal boy, right? And so when he'd get all revved up, he would start doing this. <laughs> and I'm like, you need to, you need to calm down, right? You're going to break something up there, right? Right? And, he, he, and then he'd get up on the tips and he'd start doing this kind of thing. Right? And if he got real excited, hold your ears, he'd get real excited. He'd be, hallelujah! Hallelujah! Like if you weren't awake, you woke up when that happened. That was like a dog whistle. It would wake you up, right? Okay, but those were his things. And it was funny and I laughed at him, whatever. It was just cute. You know, we made fun of him behind his back. No big deal, you know. It's just, that's his thing. But what I've realized is now I've been your pastor for two and a half years. <laughs> And I probably have those things. 
and you're probably saying things behind my back. In fact, last week, uh, last week I, I got a, uh, a text from my wife. It, I saw it came in like at the end of the service, you know, and I, I checked it between services, and I, and I thought to myself, oh, that's awesome. Amber just sent me a nice encouraging message at the end of my message, and she said, you touch your face too much. <laughs> it's all set. <laughs> I said, I said, I don't know what you're talking about, Amber. I don't touch my face at all. I don't see that as a problem at all. So now all of you are going to know that apparently I touch my face too much, so every time you see it, you won't unsee it. <laughs> so I'm going to have to break that habit for all of your sakes now. It's good. You have to acknowledge you have a problem before you can deal with it. So that's, I'm going to acknowledge I got a problem, okay? So we have this thing. Like, all of us have our things. When you look at the Apostle Paul, you go to Scripture, you look at the Apostle Paul, you look at his readings, and hear everything that he wrote, he's got phrase that he uses over and over and over again. And the two simple words that he says are this, in Christ. In Christ. In fact, if you look through the New Testament, you'll find this phrase or a variant like in him or in Jesus, you'll find a variant of this somewhere around a hundred times in the New Testament. And most of those are in Paul's writing. And in fact, there are nine times in the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1 where Paul uses this phrase, in Christ. This is one of the core understandings that he has when it comes to this whole thing of identity. And so I would ask the question, what does in Christ actually mean? Now to Paul, being in Christ means that someone who has put their faith in Christ as their Savior, has trusted in Him for their salvation, has repented, right? There is an element of repentance and submission to Christ as their Lord. Remember, I say this all the time, that there's lots of people out there that want Jesus as their Savior, right? Yeah, Jesus, save me. That's awesome. But I had a big so what about a year and a half ago, and I keep coming back to it, and it's this simple phrase. If you want Jesus as your Savior, He has to be your Lord, right? You don't get one without the other, right? It isn't like, oh, Jesus, save me, and I'm going to do whatever I want. No, no. If you want him as your Savior, and you should want him as your Savior, you need him. You desperately need him as your Savior. He has to be your Lord. There's an element of submission that is necessary. I I love to go back to Jesus' words because it's really easy to read the verses that just, oh, I just got to believe in my heart. I just do those. I love going to what did Jesus say if you want to follow him? And I come back to this passage on a regular basis, Luke chapter 9. What does it say in there? It says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. You got to die and you have to follow me, right? For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. That's what it means to follow Jesus, right? It's not just saying, oh, I'm just going to believe with my mind to things. No, there is an act of submission. Everything I have dies and it is submitted to Christ. That's what it means to follow Jesus. So this is what it means to be in Christ. So then we turn to the passage that we just read, the verse. Ephesians chapter 1, if you want to pull that up on the screen. Here's what it says. I'm going to read it to you again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This is one of the best verses in all of Scripture. Listen, every, everything you could possibly need spiritually is available to you in Christ. It is there. It has been purchased. It has been bought. It is given to you in Christ. Now, i got to stop for a second. What did he not say in this verse? He didn't say that every financial blessing, right? 
every physical blessing, everything that you ever want to happen, he didn't say that's going to happen. In fact, there's, there's a lot of people, I, gotta warn, I warn people all the time. Some of you, you're like, oh, it's so long to have to wait to listen. I love listening to Greg preach every week, right? But it's so long, I got to wait a whole week. So you want to go to the TV, right? And you watch the televangelists preach their sermons, right? I just got to warn you, a lot of that stuff is garbage. There are a lot of preachers on TV that will love to preach a prosperity gospel that says, hey, listen, listen, if you follow Jesus, you get all the money you want, all the wealth you want, everything will be solved for you. You have no issues in life, right? And I just say this on a regular basis. All you got to do is listen to what Jesus said to know that that's not actually reality. Because what did Jesus say? In this world, you will have troubles, okay? He said, listen, if they hated me, they're going to hate you, okay? So like, know what you're signing up for, right? It's okay. We don't, we don't hide the reality of what it means to follow Christ. It's not always easy, Okay? And so you have, to, you have to understand this. This isn't say, listen, if you follow Jesus, you're going to be totally loaded. You're never going to have a problem. Your breath's going to smell like roses, all that stuff. That's not what it's saying. But it is saying what? What? He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing, okay, in Christ. So what does this mean? So I'm a visual learner. Any out there visual learners? Like, like, that's how I am. I got to see it. Let me see it. Then I can understand it. You're going to love me this morning, okay? I got some pictures for you, okay? So I want you to think about this. We, we understand salvation. I think we can get that. I'm going to give you this picture, right? Just imagine we had an ocean. Here's my ocean. Look at this. Isn't that amazing ocean? <laughs> Just imagine this massive ocean, right? It's a massive ocean. Now, this is the Atlantic Ocean you're looking at right here, okay? Just imagine that I took you and I dropped you in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And here you are. There you are. Ah! You know, floating in the Atlantic Ocean. And I said to you, swim to shore. Go for it. We all know that's not possible. We all know we're doomed to die. Within a few miles, we will probably die. There's no way we're going to swim with no help. With all the crazy seas that are out there, right? With all the sharks that are out there, the, the thing, there's no way you're going to make it. You will die before you get to shore. So we know that. And then imagine that I said, okay, you can swim to shore or you can get in this beautiful little boat I have for you, right? And the boat will take you to shore. We'd all say, I'm going to get in the boat. That's what I'm going to do. And this is salvation, right? Salvation says, listen, no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, it's impossible for you to get to shore. But if you will put your faith in Christ, if you will surrender to him, you get in the boat, listen, he will take you to shore. Beautiful. We love salvation, don't we, okay? This is a beautiful gift of salvation, what is available to you, okay? But there's more than that in this story. Because now imagine I got my little guy here and then we got this person over here and they're in the boat and they are in Christ, okay? Now visualize this in a very practical manner. In a practical manner, if this was just the story I told you, okay, you've got the person here is swimming and they're wet and they're cold, and this person is dry and warm. And this person, you know, is, is thirsty and hungry. And this boat has food in it. Awesome. And there's water in there. Take a sip. Have a bite to eat, right? And this person is exhausted because they're doing everything they can to try and stay above the water. And this person is operating from a position of rest and peace, right? And hear this. Those blessings have nothing to do with the person. They are simply because they got in the boat. This is the spiritual reality of what it means to be in Christ. 
There are blessings you receive, not because you're great, not because you've earned them some way, but simply because you are in Christ, simply because you got in the boat. And when you get in the boat, you get stuff that you don't necessarily deserve, okay? And when it comes to this whole issue of identity, it comes to this issue of who am I, there are things that are true about you simply because you are in Christ. Simply because you chose to get in the boat. You have an identity that's available to you, okay? Now, I'm going to help train you on this one a little bit here this morning. I'm going to do something we don't do very often. I'm going to make you talk to me here for a second, okay? I'm going to make you say things. My wife gets uncomfortable when I do things like this, so I really do it just for her. <laughs> she, she's on the front she's like I do get uncomfortable <laughs> okay I'm gonna make you talk to me all right if you are a follower of Christ I want you to repeat after me I am, I am in, Christ. in Christ I am, I am in, Christ. in Christ I am, I am in, Christ. in Christ I am blessed in the heavenly realms, the heavenly realms. with every spiritual blessing in Christ. These things are true about you not because you've earned them. They're not true about you simply because you're amazing. It's all yours because you got in the boat, okay? You got in the boat and you get the good stuff. This is, we sang it earlier, the goodness of God. This is part of the goodness of God, of you getting what you don't deserve. That's called the grace of God. Mercy of God is you don't get what you do deserve. The grace of God is when you get what you do not deserve. And he has made some things available to you this morning, all right? And so what I want to do is I want to walk through Scripture a little. And I want to help paint this picture for you to understand what is this identity that we have. Because here's what I know. I know the enemy has convinced you of something that is totally false. He's convinced you that what I'm about to share is dependent on you earning and what I'm about to speak is this is something that you receive as a gift. And when you receive it, it cannot be taken away, okay? So I want to go uh, to 2 Corinthians. It says this, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is, see the phrase, in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. See, we love this verse when we're new believers, don't we? But what happens very quickly? We go back to living like the old creation, right? Why? Because we think, well, we're, we're not any better. I, I don't feel any different. You, might, you ever had that salvation? Some of you have had that epic salvation moment where you got saved. You're just like, oh, I feel amazing. I feel different. I feel lighter. I feel that. Any, any of you had a salvation moment and you and you'd felt no, nothing different? You're like, I don't feel anything different. Guess what? Your salvation isn't contingent on your feelings, Okay. What you have to understand is the spiritual reality. And what is the spiritual reality? The reality is when you got in the boat, you were a new creation. Not because you figured it out, because you got in the boat, all right? You are in Christ. You are a new, that is a spiritual reality. The question is, are you going to believe that spiritual reality or not? Are you going to trust in what God says or not? We go to Ephesians chapter 1, which we just looked at a little bit together. And in the, in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 1, chapter 1, uh, there are so many powerful things. If you ever get discouraged, you need to go back and just read chapter 1. I get all jacked up every time I read through chapter 1. Uh, but there's a number of things that it says. It says, in Christ you are chosen. You are chosen. Are you chosen because you're special? And no, God didn't, no. No, you're chosen because you got in the boat. 
You, and guess what? Once you get in the boat, you are now chosen. God says, you are mine. There's nothing about, you can never be unchosen. You are now mine. You got in the boat. You are my, my child. I care about you, right? You are chosen. It says that you are holy and blameless. Anybody have a challenge thinking of themselves as holy and blameless sometimes? Right? I do. I struggle. But, but the reality is you aren't holy and blameless because you do everything perfectly. You're holy and blameless because you got in the boat. This is a spiritual truth about who you are. Anyone who's in Christ, this is who you are holy. You are set apart. You are blameless. And the, the beautiful part is, it's because what? It says the righteousness of Christ is placed on you like a coat. And God sees his righteousness, right? You are now holy. That's who you are. It's a spiritual reality. Will you believe that truth? We go on. It says that we are adopted. In Christ, you are adopted. You aren't picked because you were the best looking, the most talented, any of those things. No, it's because you got in the boat. And you get to be adopted. And now guess what? You are a son or a daughter of the King of Almighty. Right? You are the son or a daughter. It will never be taken away from you. Right? He cares for you desperately. You get to call him Abba, which in, in our language be closest to calling God Dad. Weird. But that's what you get because you are now adopted into the family of Christ says later in the chapter, it says that you are redeemed. In Christ, you are redeemed. What does it mean to be redeemed? It means that you have been bought back. You know the coupon? You get that coupon. You trade the coupon in. You get an ice cream cone, you know? It's awesome. Okay, that's what it means to be redeemed. You, God came and he said, listen, I'm buying you back. I'm buying you back. You are mine, right? And you are redeemed not because you feel like, oh, I've done something to redeem myself. You can't redeem yourself. It is, the, it is a gift. It is a privilege. It is what you are because you got in the boat. You are redeemed. In this last one, I get to talk next, just by the way, next week, Mike is going to be preaching on this whole idea of being redeemed. You do not want to miss the message. And in two weeks, I get to talk about this one, the fact that you are a saint. You want to feel like you're like, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay? This is what scripture says. That's who you are. It's not something that you earn. It's not something you deserve. It's a spiritual reality. Why? Because you got in the stinking boat. Like, are you getting this? This is the beautiful part. If you could begin to understand who you are in Christ, I think it could start to change some things. Because a lot of us are living down here like, oh, I'm just nothing. I can't do anything right. I got all these problems, right? I'm a failure. I have mistakes, all these kind of things. No, no, no. Remember who you are in Christ. Let me remind you of a few other things that it says. It says in Scripture that if you are in Christ, you are reborn. You are justified. You are complete. You are free from condemnation. You are a citizen of heaven. You are hidden with Christ in God, the salt and the light of the earth. You are reconciled to God and you are a minister of reconciliation. You are God's temple. You are God's workmanship. And it says this in 1 Peter. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's who you are. Okay? And it isn't dependent on you. It's a spiritual reality. Question, will you believe the truth or not? What I love about this is that guess what? If the person next to you is following Jesus, that's who they are too. A lot of times we're like, I can't believe them. They go, listen, they're screwed up just like you are. Okay? (laughs) 
They're not in here. Be, they're not in here because they figured somehow, like I got the secret passcode or something. No, the secret passcode is I got in the boat too, right? And we should be like happy, like, hey, we're all in the boat. We got food and we got rest. And we got all the good stuff. And it isn't because we're awesome. It's because we're in Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. Okay. So we got to give some grace to one another. Let's live like God intended us to, that we would love each other, not because we're all so great, but because we have all been saved and redeemed and set free. That's what the church is supposed to be. Okay? Get in the boat. Right? All right. I'm going to get to our big so what. We always say this, so what? What's the point of this thing? Forget everything else I said this morning, all right? Hopefully you didn't, but <laughs> forget everything else I said. Here's the big so what. If you're in the boat, then live like it. If you're in the boat, then live like it. I'm going to give you two ways you can take this phrase, and they're both right, okay? First one is this. You could take this as, well, there should be evidence of the fact that I've submitted to Christ. Like, if I'm in Christ then people should be able to perceive that based on the way I live my life. You're right. Like if, you're, if you've given your life to Christ, your life shouldn't look like it used to. Because you have submitted your life to Christ, there are things about you, you should not behave the way that you used to behave. You should not do things the way you used to do them. Like there should be something different about your life. There should be evidence, there should be good symptoms that your life has been transformed. As it says in the book of James, you can say you believe it, but if you're not actually doing anything to show that belief, it's not a saving faith at all. All right? So caution. If you're like, oh, yeah, I believe, but your life doesn't look different, I would get very concerned at that point. Okay? Because there should be a level of repentance and a level of turning and a level of submission. Is it perfection? No. That's why we have Jesus. But the whole point is if you have not surrendered, then you have not truly believed and made him your Lord. So that way of taking the phrase is true, but I want to talk about a different way to think about this phrase. If you're in the boat, then live like it. See, I think we have a truth crisis. Because we say we believe Jesus. We say believe what he says, but we don't really believe what he says about us. We don't believe this truth. Like, I know what you say, God. We sang it this morning. God, I trust you. Every word you say, God, I trust you. Do you trust what he says about you? Do you say, God... I'm not feeling it right now. Like, I don't feel it, but I am a new creation. Amen. And God, I don't want to live like the old self. You say, God, I, I don't feel like it today. It doesn't matter how I feel. Remember, my identity is not in my feelings. My identity is in Christ, what he says. So, so I don't feel redeemed right now, but I am redeemed. That is the truth. If you're in the boat, then live like it. Don't live as someone who's still stuck back here. I want to tell you a story. I heard this years ago, and it stuck with me. I heard a story about a guy who was at a zoo. He saw these massive elephants, right? These huge elephants. And they're huge, gorgeous animals, and they're kind of moving around. And he noticed that these, they weren't in a cage. He noticed that they were, they were tied up. They had a rope tying them up. But the rope was really, really thin. And he thought to himself, like they could totally, like one tug and they could snap that rope. It's not big enough to hold them back. 
Don't they know that? Like, I can't believe that they're there. And so he saw the zookeeper walk by, and he said, hey, hey, these, these animals, they're gorgeous. These massive elephants are amazing. But I, I got a question for you. How do you keep these elephants tied down like this with, this, with these little ropes? Don't they, they could just tug these. He's like, oh, yeah, they could tug those and snap those ropes easily. He's like, well, what, what's the deal? He's like, you see, when they were little baby elephants, we tied them up with these exact same ropes. And when they were babies, these ropes were big enough to hold them down. And they've never believed anything other than that. They didn't recognize that they are in a position now where they could actually step out of that bondage because they believed the past. And this is what I believe has happened for many of us. See, God has set you free. He has redeemed you. He has called you. He says things about you. He has spoken a word over you. The problem is we've allowed the, the enemy to keep reminding us, no, that's not who you are. You're that person back there. You're that broke. Oh, and the, when you screw up, that's who you are, right? When you fail, that's who you are. Remember that way that you messed up years ago when you were a kid? You're never going to get over that because that's who you are. And we're bound by stupid little ropes, when Jesus said, I have come that you might be free, to set you free from the bondages of the past. But we're living bound up by these lies of the enemy. And I think God is coming here this morning and he has sent me to tell you, be free in the name of Jesus. Step into who he says you are, not who you think you are, not what you feel you are, but who he says you are. Will you step into that? Will you live from that? When you wake up in the morning rather than saying, oh, woe is me, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Yes, you are, but guess what else you are? You are a victor in Christ, and you can stand in that reality. It's not, can I, can I attain some level of spirituality? It's like, why would I stink and lower myself to there when I am a child of God? That's the reality that we have to live from. And for some of us, we've got to shake ourselves up because we have been bound for too long. We've been that massive element, bound. And God's saying, be free in the name of Jesus. Be free. Stop living below yourself. Stop living below what I have paid a price for. I died in a cross, not just simply to get you to heaven, but to set you free now. Live like it. It's what I created for you. It's what I created you for. That's Zoe life. It's not just something we talk about. That's the life he has for you. Will we believe? But I come back to this. We have a truth crisis. Will we not just say we believe it? Will we truly live like we believe it? Will we live from a posture that says, this is who I am. Doesn't matter what I see. Doesn't matter what I feel. This is who I am in Christ. And God, I believe what you say about me. And I step into that. This morning, I'm going to invite you to stand with me across the room. I want us to respond. I want to pray over you just for a moment, and then we're going to respond. God, I thank you so much. God, we thank you for this. God, the truth, you said you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God, this is the kind of truth that sets you free. God, when we understand how beautiful and amazing the gospel is, the gospel is not bondage. The gospel is freedom in Christ. And we thank you for the good news of the gospel. 
This morning, God, I, I've done everything I can to speak, but God, right now, by the power of your spirit, would you compel our hearts back to yourselves again? God, would you call us back to yourself? Father, not to step into some positive mental thought, but to step into truth, to step into all you say about us, God. Would you do that in us, Lord? And God, we start from a posture of humility. We acknowledge, God, that we so often bite on the lies. We accept the lower standing. We accept the things the enemy wants us to believe. And this morning, we, we repent of that. God, I repent of that in my own life. God, the times I believe the lower thing, God, I pray instead I would believe truth today. God, that I would live from truth, that I would live from the position and the identity that you have given me. God, may I live that way. And I pray that over every single person in this room. Set us free today. Set us free to step into all that you have for us. Set us free to live out whatever you have for us, God. We are trusting in that. We are believing in that. And more than that, God, we are going to live that way because we truly believe it to be true. We thank you in the name of Jesus. This morning, I just feel compelled to say that some of you, you have not been living your identity. You need to step into your identity in Christ. If that's you as a step of faith this morning, I want you to step out of your seat and I want you to stand down at this altar. I want you to come forward and just say, God, I want to step into my identity. I want to step into who you say I am, not what I say about myself. Step forward this morning as we're going to take a moment to respond. Would you lead us in singing here? Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Oh, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's 
Father, we thank you. Goodness of God is not just a cliche, it's a reality. But we have a revelation of who you are. God, that is who you are. You are good. And Lord, I pray this week you would continue to give us a revelation of who you say we are. God, that we would live from that position. God, I pray when we wake up in the morning, you would remind us to live from that, God. In a world that says strive, strive, attain, attain, God, may we say, no, this is who we are. We can have peace and we can have joy knowing that. Lord, I pray this afternoon and this evening and tomorrow morning when the enemy wants to say, no, that's not who you are. You're, you're that person back there. God, I pray that in that moment we would say, no, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, she is a new creation. That's who you are. God, would you remind us of that today? May we live from that today. Live from that position, God. God, may we live differently, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I just encourage you. Some of you need, to, you need to continue this week to respond this way. And I want to give you a challenge. I love to give you a quick challenge. Something you can do this week. I would encourage you this week, start your day by reading and praying Ephesians chapter 1. You can do it in about a minute. And every time I read it, I get jacked up. Because I say, okay, God, that's who I am, and I'm going to believe that today. And some of you need to be reminded of that. You've been filling your mind with a bunch of garbage, and you need to fill your mind with the Word of God. You've been filling your mind with lies. Why don't you fill your mind with truth and live from that? And I pray that it would change the way we live. Do not miss next Sunday as we talk about the beauty of redemption in our identity. If you're with our prayer team, I would encourage you to come forward here. If you're here and you want somebody to pray with, please do not run out these doors. Give us an opportunity to pray with you. Otherwise, you guys have a great week. We love you. Let's go serve Jesus this week. Love.